Hello and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. I'm Ashley Nickel with the Packer and PMG, and today we bring you a conversation with Mike Mowney, Managing Partner of Executives, to talk about the melon category. We cover assortment, merchandising, operations, and more related to this summer staple. I think you'll really enjoy this discussion. Without further ado, here's our conversation with Mike Mowdy. Mike, thanks so much for, for being with us. We actually are the occasion of our conversation was you had this great post on LinkedIn talking about the melon category. So t- tell me a little bit about this picture behind you that we saw and uh, some of your observations. Well, first of all, thank you very much, Ashley. It's, uh, I appreciate uh, being part of this. Uh, yeah, so the picture behind me is from a local store. Uh, on a monthly basis, I'll, I'll tour around uh, our local areas looking for uh, great produce merchandising. It usually ends up being a part of my uh, monthly newsletter. And uh, this month, I happened to walk into that beautiful display behind me that uh, is just loaded with, uh, with different varieties of melons. And it got me thinking back to my buying days and, and some of the melon trials that, uh, that we would do. And uh, I've always been a fan of, of expanding uh, the categories into new and great products. And so when I saw this display, I thought, wow, that's uh, right up my alley and something that, uh, that really excites me. So I figured I'd snap a picture about it. And when I uh, put it on LinkedIn, I got, uh, got a good response. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and as, uh, as I, I think... I think you read, I had just written an, ar- an article too on, on variety in the melon category. Right. And I'm sure there is some, you know, psychological human behavior principle behind it, but it's, it just seems like when there's more options, you just want to try more of the mm-hmm. options. You know, I, I think in the, in the melon category, just in my own shopping recently, I noticed, you know, I, I went one day and they had, I think four or five different, you know, melons along with the watermelon and got three and the next week they just had a couple, they just had the two options. I'm like, well, you know, I could get a couple of the same variety, but I just, you know, I really wanted more varieties. So I bought two instead of three the previous week. It's like, well, that's, shoot, that's a three or $4, you know, different difference in the basket size, just something that simple, you know? And, um, but the other thing that I have observed and um, I'm sure you, you could give us some background on from your years in retail, of course, mm-hmm. was, when I was trying to take these melons through the uh, the self checkout, the machine was was sort of having none of it in a variety yeah. of ways, you know, trying exactly. to get these exactly. through. So, um, and I don't know if this is too broad of a question, but when you have a lot of varieties, and especially you know for probably shorter windows because they're seasonal mm-hmm. items, how do you make sure that you are getting that correct ring out the door when things are you know things are only there for a short time? The cashiers aren't necessarily mm-hmm. familiar even when they come over to help out. You know, how do you navigate that? Yeah, well, well for starters, uh, talking just about the assortment, it's, it's great to hear that, that you're picking up three and two different varieties of melons. Uh, I think melons are really following along the, the uh, path that some of the other categories that we've witnessed over the years, uh, namely things like uh, apples and, and grapes and, and tomatoes, just to, to name a few. Uh, really, though, the melon variety has been a, around for a long time. Um, it doesn't always catch on every year, so there's always new varieties that uh, that growers are trying and retailers are picking up on. Uh, I picked up on the Picasso melon, which I thought was an unbelievably uh, sweet, uh, high-flavor melon. 
so that that was uh, a great experience. But you're right, uh, with all these new varieties and uh, cashiers being inundated with with new codes and uh, and of course, it's no secret that the turnover uh, of cashiers at uh, at retail is is pretty high. So there's a lot of of new cashiers all the time. And it really is, it's a partnership between the entire industry. I mean, and it starts with the, the production end, uh, just making sure that there are unique codes for all these different melons and making sure that all the melons are coded. Um, you know, oftentimes you'll open a, a carton and, you know, if it's a carton of, of nine melons, you might find seven that are, that are coded. Well, oftentimes if that, uh, that eighth and ninth aren't coded, they're not going to get through the cashier um, properly. So it's important for all of them to be coded with their own unique codes. And then at, at the office, uh, the retail office, they have to make sure that uh, they're being listed properly. Uh, it's not so much of a problem now, but in, in the days gone by, it used to be very easy to put dummy codes into new products. Uh, a lot of the S uh, uh, ERP systems that are being used today don't allow that. So uh, uh, that's good, but still has to be listed up with the proper code so that uh, down the, the, the stream, the, the people that, uh, that need to use that code uh, can. And then it gets to, uh, to the store. And one, uh, I guess, good rule of thumb or, or best practice was always for uh, the produce team. Once they see a product that they've never seen before, uh, they take a look at it take it to the front end and make sure that, that it can scan. A lot of times they'll get a product with a PLU code or even a UPC code on it that isn't set up properly in the system. So it's important, of course, to make sure that there's a, a, a stopgap measure to ensure that it doesn't slip through the system. And quite frankly, if, if those three things happen, then there really shouldn't be too many problems at the front end because uh, the cashier will be looking for the, the code on the melon, especially something as big as a melon. Mm -hmm. So it just takes a, a little bit of care, but, but it, it can be rectified for sure. Yeah, it was, uh, it was so interesting to me because this, um, this store that we go to, they're, they're really great operators. So they, they are doing so much stuff, right. But mm -hmm. when I took the melons <clears> over, <throat> I had one where, you know, there's a sticker on it. So that scanned through. Okay. I'm like, okay, that's coming up as the right thing. And then there was um, another group of melons where, and I thought this was really cool. They had, you know, netting around each one with, so you had, you know, a little bit about the variety and then you had a little yep. bit about the grower. You got the code on there. Well, one of them when I scanned was, you know, the item not found. I'm like, mm. oh, okay. <laughs> well, the next one when I scanned, it said, um, you know, place on scale to weigh. And I'm like, that's not how this works. No, but I set it down. It's like fifteen fifty-seven. I'm like, okay, Don't think so. not a call for help, right? <laughs> it's a good melon, but not that good, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, in the the you know young clerk comes over to help, and she's like, well, you know, this isn't coming through. This isn't coming through. She said, you know, here's here's what I'll do. I'm I'm just gonna ring them, you know, both up together for six ninety nine. I'm like, okay, but. Yep. But I know that's that's probably a fifty cent difference in what the price was supposed to be on both of those. Honestly, I had kind of just been picking melons, you know, uh, blissfully unaware of of what all because yeah, yeah. I knew I was going to buy them, you know. Um, but I I had paid attention the previous week when my husband had actually been going through the self checkout and I was somewhere else in the store and. He told me, he said, yeah, you know, I kept getting flagged at the register because I was trying to run the, the one melon through and and it wouldn't come up. And, 
you know, so the cashier said, well, you know, just, just put it in there is, you know, a canary melon or, or just a regular cantaloupe. Mm. And thankfully, you know, my husband knows enough to know, to know that, cause I think it was a, it wasn't a lemon drop, but it was another kind of specialty. Actually, maybe it was a lemon drop. It was a okay. specialty item. Yeah. And so he knew enough to at least put it in there as the canary. So they're getting closer to whatever the price was, but I'm like, if you got folks telling them to put it in there is like your standard cantaloupe, like that's a, that's a big loss percentage wise, you know? And so I thought, like you said, I'm sure the same thing in years past with apples and grapes and, and some of these sure, other things sure. is trying to get that correct value through can be uh, can be a little tricky, I think. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, that's only the start of the problems. Um, you know, once a, a product like a lemon drop melon goes through as a canary or a cantaloupe, that, that sale is, is uh, well, the, the head office is blind to that sale. And so if, if that happens more times than not, a potentially new successful item could go unnoticed and potentially drop the year, the, the next year. Mm-hmm. So it is, it's, it's key to get, uh, get the codes right uh, when it's being listed and making sure that it, it runs through properly at the front end. Yeah, because I, I did even ask the gal, I said, would this have been like easier if I went to, you know, the one open lane with the human being versus yeah. the checkout? And she said, no, I think it's just, you know, how it's how it's scanned and it's not scanned the right way. And um, it is interesting because as, you know, as long as, as people have been doing retail and as, as many new things as have been done along the way, you know, there continues mm. to be, you know, just a little bit of, of trial and error and different, you know, parts along the process. Cause even, um, you know, seeing the, the netting around it so that it could have a code, I was like, Oh, this yeah. is great. Like this will actually go through, you know, we won't have to worry about people guessing which ones they are or yeah, you know, exactly. stuff like that. But well, another, another best practice that, uh, has gone a little bit by the wayside has been, uh, when the new products come in, the produce department uh, gathers all the cashiers and they have a bit of a taste test. So they, they try all the new products, but at the same time, they're being aware this product is in the store and this is the code that you're going you're gonna to be looking for. If anybody asks you what the product is like, well, you've tried it now, you can, you can talk about it. And, uh, I, you know, I think, you know, a lot of things have gone by the wayside o- over, over the years, and that's probably one of them, but that was the best practice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and along those same lines, I was even thinking, um, it, this is probably super rudimentary, but I was just... I thought, you know, maybe it makes sense at different times of year when you know you have, you know, a lot of variety in a certain category, particularly if it's higher dollar or higher margin, you know, and I don't know which, uh, you know, what what the best thing is to put the priority on there. But I thought even like a little guide where it's the picture, the name, you know, just taping it to the cash register. I don't know if even something like that you know, could be helpful in a way to kind of educate, you know, category by category on a monthly or seasonal basis or something like that. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that, that's a, a variation of uh, updating the, the price checkup screens. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times uh, they'll have their terminal right next to them and they'll be able to even just type in something like melons and then all the melons will pop up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's another thing that needs to be updated and doesn't always get updated and you know, it can be very frustrating for a cashier when they type in melons and all they get are honeydews and cantaloupes. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I I noticed that kind of another wrinkle in all this too is of course, now we've got the online ordering option. So the, you know, the assortment that you're seeing in the store may or may not match the assortment mm-hmm. that you're seeing online. And, um, you know, cause I, cause even after 
after what, one of these uh, these melon shopping trips recently, I thought, okay, you know, let, let me double check and see, you know, what the price difference was between these two or these three or things like that. And I couldn't find online, you know, mm. one of the ones that I bought in the store. I'm like, okay, well, I know they have it because it's sitting on my counter, yeah. you know. <laughs> Which, of course, is just another thing that needs to be updated. So, yes, a, 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 there have been a lot, a lot of updates over the last, um, you know, decade or so that really have made it a little bit complicated to mm-hmm. make sure all the product all the product is is set up properly and communicated properly and everything but that's part of the job and if you want to sell a six dollar 99 cent melon you're going to have to uh, get that job done right yeah yeah very very much so well and another thing that i was thinking too was um about communicating product attributes because like i said a few of the ones that i got recently but this was the first time i had seen this in our store um, you know, the netting. So you get like a little, actually, yep. you know, where you've got the little uh, tag oh, yes. on there. So it tells you a little about it or, you know, that sort of thing. But when they don't have that, when they just have the sticker, you know, yeah. I thought, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm not your average consumer at this point, you know, having been uh, produce adjacent at least for the last five years. So I'll, I'll go and pick a diff- bunch of different ones just because I know, you know, I trust the retailer. I know they're going to be good. You know, I like melons. Um, but, you know, for your average shopper, trying to get them to try new varieties or give them a clue of like, hey, this is why you might like this one versus that one, um, especially in a time when I don't think we've probably seen sampling come all the way back yet. yet. Um, you know, what are some ways you think folks can kind of, you know, can take advantage of that variety and make sure everybody's aware and, and trying things? Yeah, well, I really like the uh, the netting idea that that you just showed. Um, certainly, better signage at uh, at the store would uh, would help. I mean, there's a lot of pitfalls with that. Uh, first of all, there there isn't really a great established set of flavor attributes in, in the produce department outside of sweet. Um, so there's a little bit of work to be done there. But I think if if there were some better ways to describe, you know, there could be. You know, some some fruit products have like a citrusy flavor to it, even though it's not mm-hmm. a citrus fruit. You know, things like that that could sort of cue the customer into different flavor profiles w- would be interesting. I do think the big uh, the big thing is going to have to be sampling. Um, I imagine that will come back sometime, hopefully in 2022. Um, but again, just uh, having a knowledgeable staff, which is obviously a lot easier said than done, and having that uh, tasting. Uh, to, with with all the the people in the produce department, and as I said before, even the cashiers would be very helpful. You know, oftentimes I'll go to my local uh, wine store, and they'll have new wines coming in every couple of weeks. And when I talk to the, the sommelier there, they know exactly the profile of every single wine because they have spent uh, uh, an evening tasting all these wines as they come in. And maybe that's something that, uh, you know, produce departments need to um, sort of borrow from and, and have these tastings every, every time new products come in. Mm-hmm. It, uh, you know, it, it might be a little bit of a, of a hit on the shrink line, but it'll probably come back in, in spades once the uh, people on the floor are able to communicate to customers what the different new products are, are like. I mean, I would imagine if you walk into a produce department and the produce manager says to you, you've got to try this melon. It is the best melon I've had in my life. You're probably going to buy it. 100%. So if you had that sort of uh, ambassadors across the produce department, um, particularly speaking 
um, the, the, the right attributes to the products, uh, you know, I think sales would, uh, would probably uh, feel that. Mm-hmm. That's such a great point. And I'm glad you mentioned it because um, another just tales from my own grocery shopping, right? It's, it's hard to, it's hard to overstate the value of, um, you know, a meaningful interaction with somebody at the store level. We were, mm-hmm. we were in the seafood department and I had a question about, you know, I'm looking at this kind of fish and that kind of fish. What do you recommend? Um, and, and he had a great recommendation. I said, okay, well, you know, while you're wrapping, you know, what, what's your favorite way to prepare this? And so he's telling me, you know, mm. the temperature and how long, and, and this is what it needs to read on, you know, the, the meat thermometer and all the different things. And I said, Hey, thank you so much. Like that is so helpful. He said, anytime, you know, that that's what we're here for. Oh, that's excellent. And I just thought, oh my gosh, that's like the gold standard of customer service, right? A smile. What can I do for you? You know, let me answer your questions. Let me write down that temperature for you. I mean, mm-hmm. I was so impressed. And I, yeah, that's, that's excellent. You know, and, and honestly, even thinking to myself, like, okay, am I going to go to this store next time or this store next time? They're actually the same chain. They're about equidistant from our house, you know, yeah, yeah. like, I know berry and seafood over here, you know, was super helpful the last time. So I'm going to go back again Saturday morning, you know, coming back for my workout. I'm going to go see berry and seafood and ask him what to do with the next thing. You know, I mean. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in, in my past life, uh, we always struggled with uh, having the operational team um, get in front of customers. They were very focused on the task at hand filling the product, rotating the product, calling the product, uh, and, and getting them to engage the customer was a challenge. So we had a program called Active Selling, and every month we would put a, a, a new item in front of them, give them a sell sheet on it, all the different attributes of that product, and then challenge them to go and talk to customers about that one item. And uh, certainly we would have uh, you know sales contests and things like that, whatever whatever store can increase the sales of that item the most over the, the month, they would get some kind of a prize. But, uh, you know, that was just one way that we tried to sort of force the issue at, uh, at the store. And, and it certainly helped, but, you know, it's one of those things that you really do have to push. Mm-hmm. Well, and like you said, it, it makes sense, fo- you know, to kind of focus that energy too, because I'm, I'm sure it's overwhelming for someone to be like, okay, well, like, what are you talking about? I got to have something meaningful to tell somebody about every item here, you know, but like you said, when you dial it down to a new thing or one thing in particular, or this is what's seasonal, that's why it's at the front of the store, you know, here's three things to say about that, you know, I, I, that makes so much sense to kind of just narrow it in. And as the seasons change, that thing will change. And, you know, yeah, yeah. I love that. I think it's, um, yeah, it's, it's just funny because we, we did, I don't know about you guys, we did a lot of online ordering during, you know, especially the, the early months of the pandemic and things like that. And there's there's convenience to that. And I, I think that's got a place and all that kind of stuff. But man, the, the really good in-person interactions, like that is just so huge in establishing loyalty. And I mean, if you can get that whole basket where somebody just likes you, likes the people mm-hmm. in your stores, and comes to you instead of kind of, you know, splitting the shop or like eh, being kind of ambivalent about where to go. Yeah. I mean, man, what a tool. And, and I've, um, I've often heard that, that training budgets and produce are one of those things that are sometimes considered, you know, optional or, or sometimes, you know, push, pushed on the back burner when other, other, you know, concerns arise or things like that. 
Um, but but I, I just can't see how that's not one of the best, you know, yeah. spins you can possibly make. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, just about anything is is hard to get money for. I mean, uh, with costs rising and competition rising, it's it's certainly an easy place to uh, to cut expenses out of. But if if you do f- come across a real passionate um, uh, individual who just loves the produce they're selling, and uh, I mean, you mentioned the 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 person that uh, the seafood department. I mean, I'm sure that person loves seafood. And if, if those are the types of people you're hiring and, the, you know, they're, it's hard to get an entire store made up of those people. But if you ever can, it would probably be the best, the best store in the area for sure. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Mike, any, anything we're, we're missing on, we'll bring it back to melons. <laughs> anything else on the, the melon category you want to mention before we go? You know, I think, I think that's about it. I think uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if uh, over time, the industry, whether it be in melons specifically or the uh, other categories, develop uh, meaningful flavor attributes that that customers can understand and, and actually use that to drive consumption. I think that would be a, a great project to work on in the in the short term. That's such okay. So I said we were wrapping up, but that gets me on on another tangent because I I just I think that makes so much sense because I've seen. I've, I'm trying to think of who all I've seen it from. I know CMI Orchards has their kind of flavor gram for apples. Yeah. And I think I've seen in other categories too, like if you like this, then you'll like this too. You know, mm-hmm. some of those things where, you know, um, and, and that's different a little bit, of course, than defining specific attributes, but even relating it to things that are more familiar, be like, hey, you know, if, if this melon appeals to you, this one will too, you know, if you like the lemon drop, you're also going to like this one. Yeah. It's also kind of got a citrusy, you know, flavor or, you know, along those lines. I, I think that's such, such a great idea. Cause you're right. There's not really a standard in how we talk about, you know, what, what you expect from this fruit or that fruit or those guys. Yeah, and we talk about bricks and acid, but that's, you know, it doesn't get much further than that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and your average shopper, I, you know, I think it might be a toss up on if, if bricks is easily understood, probably. Right. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> awesome. Well, well, we'll wrap it up there, Mike. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. This has been a, a fun conversation and yeah, absolutely. I'm be talking to you again before too long. That wraps us up for today. In case you're new here, the podcast name is Tip of the Iceberg because this is just a taste of our coverage of the wonderful world of fresh produce. You can check us out on thepacker.com and producemarketguide.com and all over social media. A few recent episodes you may want to add to your library. Last week, our editor-in-chief, Tom Karsh, spoke with Desmond O'Rourke about challenges, changes, and opportunities in the Apple industry. The week before that, we spoke with several leaders at Auburn University about how their students are growing hydroponic produce in shipping containers for campus dining. All kinds of great conversations that we have here on this podcast. Thank you so much, as always, for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Tip of the Iceberg.